Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in chapter number one. We're going through this Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, understanding the context, is King Solomon is at the end of his life. He has lived the last 15 or so years without uh, regarding to God, without depending on God. And now as he's making an honest observation of his life, he has drawn some conclusions and some observations about his life. He says over and over the phrase under the sun, which is a poetical expression of saying, living your life without regard to God, just living life and not even thinking about God. And the other word that's repeated over and over is vanity, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. That word vanity carries the idea of empty. So he comes to this conclusion that as I look back at the end of my life and I see that I haven't been paying attention to God, haven't really regarded God, haven't thought of God, that this life lived without God God all of these years is empty, empty, empty. And so with that, let's continue to study this right here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes and chapter Number one, Ecclesiastes in chapter number one. And if you don't mind, <coughs> let's just uh, pick it up in verse number 12 again. Ecclesiastes <laughs> chapter number one and verse 12. And I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to search out by wisdom concerning all the things done under the sun. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I have come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me at Jerusalem. Yea, my heart and great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also vexation of spirit for in much wisdom is grief and he that increaseth in knowledge increaseth sorrow. And with this, we could see this expression. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible here, this idea of increased knowledge, increased sorrow, increased knowledge, increased sorrow. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 18, that (laughs) he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. If you don't mind, (laughs) as we get through here, let's study this passage and understand what we learn here, that increased sorrow is (laughs) increased knowledge is increased sorrow, the sorrow of knowledge. Now that's an interesting phrase. Certainly if I was to announce that we were going to speak about the knowledge of sorrow, 
you would understand that we are going to give some information dealing with sorrowful things, things that are sorry. But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the sorrow of knowledge. That the more that you know, and the more that you see about there, that your happiness does not increase, your sorrow increases. Why? Because we live in an awful world. The more things that we find out about our world, the more heartbroken we are. The more that we could see about the struggles and the travesties, to see the heartbreak of the people, even in our own neighborhoods, what happens is that that increased knowledge brings more sorrow. We live in an awful world. And so as Solomon who sought out to know as much as he could about everything, his conclusion is that knowing more things doesn't make you happier. Knowing more things actually brings you to the place where you're more sorrowful. Let me give an example. Everyone likes to perceive that the neighborhood they live in is relatively safe. I'm a police chaplain for 13 police departments. Uh, the police often say that they're in a conundrum because sometimes they feel underappreciated because people don't know everything that they're doing and all the things they deal with in a neighborhood. But at the same time, they said it's probably a blessing that the people don't know so they can rest better because knowledge increases sorrow. You know, there are things that leadership deals with. Leadership always has more information than other people know. And if you wanted to know everything that the leadership knew, you wouldn't be able to handle it. There's a lot more things that are going on. There's people that are struggling and the problems that people are going with. Increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. When you say, man, these think people are going through a rough time. There's a lot of things going on. And there's nothing that can be done about it. Increased knowledge often increases sorrow. This is the conclusion that he's giving. Now, we live in a knowledge-filled world. They say that every day, the scientific uh, world publishes enough papers to fill a thousand-page volume of an encyclopedia. So think about that. Every day or every week, I forget which one it was, our knowledge... Uh, that is now published increases by a full encyclopedia book. There's more and more knowledge growing all the time. But with this increased knowledge often comes this increased sorrow. The more that we know, the more that we realize how awful things are and how helpless we are. The Bible makes a reference of some people in this that... <laughs> Now, remember, the context is without regard to God. The Bible talks about, and we're going to look at several passages today. Uh, turn with me, if you don't mind, just as an introduction, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul makes mention of some people <laughs> who were... <laughs> trying to increase their knowledge without regard to God, without looking at God, apart from God. Notice, if you don't mind, <laughs> what the Apostle Paul says about these people. Oh, let's start in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, <coughs> despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort they <coughs> which creep into houses lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. There are some people out there that are trying to gain more and more knowledge, but they're trying to do it divorcing themselves of any knowledge of God. And what happens is they grow more and more knowledge. They learn more and more about things. However, they don't come to the truth. They don't come to the knowledge of truth. Do you know that there's a lot of knowledge out there, but very little truth? And someone could give their life to trying to study and to know everything they want to know. And with the internet today, you could study any subject that you possibly could and get to know anything. But without using the knowledge of God to filter those things, you come to an increasing amount of knowledge without coming to any truth. And the increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. So if you don't mind, let's see about this a little bit more and find how is it that we could make the knowledge that we do have be a benefit to us and not a sorrow. First of all, I want to bring to your attention that who we know is more important than what we know. Whom we know is more important than what we know. Knowing the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is where all knowledge begins. That if you don't know him, everything that you know becomes a great burden to know alone. That without him, there is no hope. You look at this world without regard to God and you say, this place is going to get worse and worse and worse and nothing can be done about it. That doesn't bring hope. That brings heartbreak that it's not going to get better. By the way, nothing gets better on its own. Everything tends to work, wax worse and worse and worse. Here we understand it's not how much we know as much that is as important as who we know. It's interesting that the two greatest believers inside of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, would be the Apostle Paul and Moses. Moses of the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul of the New Testament. No one would argue that fact, that these are the two greatest believers found inside of the Word of God. Moses of the Old Testament and Paul of the New Testament. And it's interesting that at the zenith, the peak, the height of both of the ministries they were set steward over that both of them had the same prayer request, that I may know him. That I may know him. That we see this in <coughs> Moses' life, Exodus 33, that I may know him. In the Apostle Paul's life, in the book of Philippians, that I may know him. It is that never-ending pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. That everything that we need to know about life, we find in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Most people are in a pursuit of great knowledge, but we need to pursue after Christ. In fact, turn with me. If you're in the book of Timothy, just turn over a couple pages and turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter number 2. We're putting together this idea from Ecclesiastes that increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. That when you live your life without regard to God, knowing more and more things brings more and more sorrow. But when we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we now understand that things are put in their proper place and we have hope. The book of Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter 2, notice with me verse 2 for context sake. Colossians 2, 2. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all the riches to the full assurance of understanding to acknowledge the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So here we have Christ as this last phrase. Verse number 3 is a modifying phrase explaining more about Christ. Colossians 2, 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you know what you have when you come have Christ? You have in Christ all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That I may know him. That I may know him. And when I know him, I have treasures of wisdom and knowledge because they're found in Christ. By the way, a good practical thing is how do we get to know Christ? Well, first of all, we have to know him in salvation. Do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Have you come to the place where you realize that you were a sinner and because of your sins that you've offended a holy, righteous God and you deserve to go to an awful place called hell, but that Jesus Christ died for you and you on purpose accepted that free gift of salvation that came in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's the very first way of getting to know Christ is through salvation, through the forgiveness of your sins. After that, how do we get to know Christ? Well, two ways reading our Bible and prayer. If you are not reading your Bible, you don't know Christ. The whole purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. If you want to be able to have the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, you will not have it if you won't read your Bible. What you're going to do is you're going to increase in knowledge and that knowledge without regard to God is going to bring more sorrow. You need to be in your Bible. Could we say it this way? If you're not in your Bible, you're going to be a more of a sorrowful, depressed person. Even a Christian could be a sorrowful and depressed. Why? They're not in their Bible. They need to pursue after Christ. They need to learn more about him. Second of all is through prayer. Prayer is our opportunity to talk with God. Not talk at God, but to talk with him. God is a living being who wants to have fellowship with him. And we could do that with prayer. And the third way is by experience. Meaning that I trust God and I take a step and God shows himself to be real. I learn about him by experience. That whom we know is more important than what we know. And that if we set ourselves to know Christ, to know him personally, to know him intimately, to know him by experience, What we do is that we find that there's joy and peace and happiness that the world cannot offer. 
that when we're pursuing after Christ, that we bypass this idea that increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. With increased knowledge of Christ comes greater peace, greater happiness, greater joy. That in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and in knowledge. Notice something else as we are understanding this principle that increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. Not only whom we know is more important than what we know, why we know things is more important than what we know. Why? You know, that's an important question. Why? Why do you want to know how to make napalm? I mean, sure, you can know the facts of it. and You can even search it up on the internet. But why? What, what are you going to do with that information? There's a lot of people who gather information. But why? What is the purpose of gathering that information? Why? The Bible explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, we're not going to turn there, knowledge puffeth up. That one of the byproducts of you having knowledge outside of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is that knowledge puffeth up. There are plenty of people who are proud about how smart they are. They're proud about how much they know. And this increased knowledge brings increased sorrow. Have you ever met someone who knows everything? And they end up being very miserable people. Why? Because they chase everyone off. No one wants to be around someone who knows everything. And what happens is that the more knowledge they have, the more they think they're greatest, but then they get more sorrowful because that knowledge doesn't do them any good. Why do you want to have this knowledge? Here's Solomon who was full of knowledge, but was empty in his life. That was the whole thing of Ecclesiastes. I know all of these things and I'm more miserable for it. Because why you know something is more important than how, what you know. Notice as the Bible then gives this progression in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Why should we know things? Well, it should be for the purpose of glorifying God. To be able to use it to be a better help in what God has given us to do. Why do you know things? Why? Notice with me in the book of 2 Peter <laughs> chapter number 1. Here we have a Bible list, and these Bible lists are very important. Whenever you come to a Bible list, they should be something that you pay attention to. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1, notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 3. 2 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 3. According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to be glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, but that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now notice this as we have this Bible list. And besides this, giving all diligence, that word diligence carries the idea of vigilance, of on purpose to... to um, Pay attention to do these things, and it gives this list, to add to your faith virtue, to your 
and add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. Now in here we have a Bible list. Notice as it starts off it says add to your faith. Now that faith is already there. We're, we don't add faith, we start with faith. What faith? The faith of Jesus Christ, putting our trust in him. We start with the knowledge of Christ. That is the basis of our faith. And we add to that nature, notice the next thing. This list is important to go into order. We add to that faith virtue. Virtue. That word virtue, we could carry the idea of character, of integrity. What is character? Character is not what you are in public. Character is what you are in private. So character carries this idea that you are doing what's right even when no one else is looking. Doing what's right when you can get away with it. It is who you are in private. And so if you do not have the character to read your Bible on your own, well then you're not going to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important. You have to have the character to seek after Christ, to read your Bible, to pray. You have to have that character first. Then we, add, we start with faith and we add to it virtue. And we add to that virtue, notice this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. Notice knowledge is not number one. Knowledge comes after. That we start with our faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our basis. Then we add to that character. Meaning I start developing habits of reading my Bible. I get in the character of doing what's right when no one else is looking. I have to have character first. Then I add to that knowledge. Do you know that if you don't have character, knowledge is going to make things worse? Because it's why you know it is important. Why should I know more about the Bible? There are many people who are professional students, but they don't do anything with it. They don't have, there's nothing to add to it. They're empty. Adding knowledge without virtue becomes very dangerous. Why do you want to add your knowledge? There are many people who add to their knowledge so that way they could destroy people with what they know. Your God's not real. Let me show you this. They, they study for a wrong reason. Some people study because they want to have more knowledge on a subject to make them look better. They want to study to help their belief system look better. But we have to start with our faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and have character. What are we going to do with this knowledge? Why do I need to know more about Christ? so I can have a closer relationship with him. If someone tries to know more about facts and figures of Christ without having a personal knowledge of Christ, this whole thing falls apart. Let me give an example. We could all read a book about George Washington. And in this book, it could tell you where he was born. It could tell you what happened. It could tell you when he was baptized. He was baptized by a chaplain by the name of John Gano, who was a Baptist pastor. Uh, you you can learn about all those facts. But me learning all those facts, does that mean that I know George Washington? No. I know things about him, but I don't know him personally. That's what happens when I add knowledge without having the right reason. I can learn facts and figures about Christ and never know him. 
never have an experiential knowledge of him. That's very, very dangerous. When people have knowledge about things and things of God without knowing God, without having the character of why I want to know this, that I may know him personally, intimately, then what happens is that they're going to have a weak, vain, empty, religious experience that will blow away at any hardship they may face. Oh no, this is hard. Oh no. And they're going to quit. Oh, it's just too hard. You have to have faith in Christ. Then we add to that faith virtue. And then we add to that virtue knowledge. And then we add the other things on this list, which we're not going to cover right now. But what we're understanding is why we know something is more important than what we know. So we start off with who we know is more important than what we know. Why we know it is more important than what we know. There's one more idea that we want to bring across. What we do with what we know is more important than what we know. What we do with what we know is more important than what we know. What are you doing with this knowledge? Think of how much we know that we've never put into practice. If we would act on what we would know, we would go forward inside of our Christian life. (laughs) what we do with it. Anybody who's been in this church for any length of time knows that the thing that we say all the time is the greatest thing you can do on a daily basis is to read the word of God for yourself to the place that some people get sick of it. You want to know why they get sick of it? Because they're not doing it. One day, (laughs) if I say it often and loud enough, someone might get in their mind, you know what, maybe I should read my Bible for myself. That's the idea. That you can know that you should read your Bible, but if you don't read it, it doesn't do you any good. You can know how to raise kids, but if you don't employ it, it doesn't do you any good. You can find out how to have a good marriage, but if you don't do it, it doesn't do you any good. What you do with it is more important than what you know. What are you doing with this information? How is it increasing? Uh, How are you moving forward? What are you employing? This idea of obedience. Obeying these things. What do you do with the knowledge you have? Notice the Bible speaks about this. 2 Corinthians, if you don't mind. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. And notice with me, Second Corinthians in chapter number 10, we're going to be speaking about the subject of spiritual warfare in this passage, and we're understanding what we're supposed to do with the knowledge. Notice with me, Second Corinthians chapter 10. Notice with me in verse number three. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Meaning that we have a spiritual warfare. So it's not going to be fought with physical things. All right. Verse number four, it clarifies this some more. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now let's pause. In here, it begins to talk about strongholds. Now this is an important study. Do you understand 
that the Bible speaks about that we can give ground to Satan. The idea of giving up ground is a war uh, term that carries the idea that we surrendered the ground to the enemy when we gave up ground. We, we had a piece of property. The enemy wanted it. Maybe there was a fight. Maybe there wasn't a fight. But the end result is that we lifted up our hands and stepped away and we gave the enemy ground. There are many people, in fact, may I say most people, have ground that they've given over to Satan. They turned it over. You say, how can I turn over ground to Satan? I'm glad you asked. There are three ways that you give ground over to Satan. It is materialism, meaning you want more and more things. You're worldly. You just want stuff. You give that ground over to Satan in your life. There's the idea (laughs) of um, lust, that you give it up because you are lusting after things, sexual sins, immorality. You give up ground to Satan. And the third way is bitterness. What is bitterness? It's unforgiveness. When I don't actively and purposely forgive someone, I give over spiritual territory in my life to God. Let me give an example. The Bible says in the Bible to not be bitter with our wives. Men, Husbands, be not bitter with your wives. You know why the Bible says that? Because it's easy to be bitter with your wives. And as men, ladies will like this, it is our responsibility to apologize first. It's our job to make peace in the home. Even if you don't think you're wrong, it is your job to make things right. Well, (laughs) a man can build up a lot of offenses against his wife. Well, she doesn't do this. She doesn't do this. She nags me here. And he could get bitter with his wife. As he gets bitter with his wife, he turns over ground to Satan. Now, Satan has ground inside of their spiritual life. He owns that property. You don't own that property anymore. You gave it over to Satan. Now, what does Satan do with it? Notice again with me, second... (coughs) Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. When we turn that ground over to Satan, Satan will immediately begin to capitalize and begin to build a stronghold on that property you turned over to him. What is a stronghold? It is a castle. It is a fortress. He begins to build a castle and a fortress. Now, We're in America. We don't have a lot of castles here. But if you were ever next to a real castle and looking up, it is a very impressive thing. They were meant to be. They were meant to be a thing that would scare away forces who would try to besiege it. So the forces would come up. They would look at here and say, wow, there's no way we're pulling this thing down. It is an established fortress. It is something that is there. And by the way, That's what Satan has now built in someone's life that they turned over ground to him. Satan begins to build a fortress. We look at it and go, oh no, what can we do? Well, luckily the Bible says here that God is mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. God is able to pull down strongholds and because it's a spiritual war. But what we're concentrating on here is how we got here. We turned over ground the first place, either because of bitterness, because of materialism, or because of lust immorality. Let's say that someone has pornography in their life they won't get rid of. 
there is a uh, ground that they've turned over to Satan. As soon as Satan gets some ground, he builds a castle, a fortress on that ground. If you give lots of ground to Satan, he'll build fortresses everywhere and build it up. <clears throat> now, how that fortress being built is very key. Notice with me <clears throat> the next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, every thought into obedience of Christ. So here's an example. Someone has turned over ground to Satan because of bitterness. Bitterness towards a situation, towards a person, towards a thing. They turn that ground over. Satan now has that ground. Satan didn't need to have that ground. It was never his, but we surrendered it. We walked away. We gave it to him. Now he begins to build his fortress. How does he build the fortress? Well, let's use our divine imagination. See this as a word picture. Every thought that we comes in our mind, into our mind, we have to decide what to do with it. Do I keep this thought or do I throw it away? Well, let's say that I have bitterness towards a person. Every time a thought goes in my mind, I hate that person, whatever else, and we don't put that thought into captivity, we turn that thought over to Satan. He says, thank you, and he puts that brick up. And we have another thought, and we don't do anything with it. We give that brick over to him, and he builds that fortress brick by brick by brick. May I say he builds it up thought by thought by thought. That big castle that's in your spiritual life that you look up and say, wow, how am I going to pull this down? You built that by not surrendering your thoughts, not putting into a captivity. You built that for Satan. You gave him the bricks. And now it is, once that castle is established, he will then send uh, other forces from that castle to plague to continue enemy. You know what anger is? Anger is a symptom, not the problem. The problem is, is that bitterness. But now because you have that bitterness, it, um, <laughs> that anger will go out. You ever notice someone who loses their temper all the time? That anger is not the problem. That's fortress sitting there is the problem. That ground that they turned over, that's the problem. You ever met someone that doesn't feel like they're worth anything? They have a low self-worth? That's a plague that comes from that castle that you built from ground that you turned over. All of these things begin to come from that castle, that fortress, that stronghold on ground that you turned over. Increased knowledge increases sorrow unless we do something with it. What we do with it is more important than what we know. Notice if you don't mind <laughs> that verse again and verse number, <clears throat> verse number five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we do? 
I have a thought in my mind and go, nope, I promised I was going to forgive my wife, this person, this situation. No, I forgave them. And I tossed that brick away. I put in captivity and say, here, Jesus, you take it. Oh, I have that thought again. Oh, no. You know, some people have in their mind that if I forgave someone that, woohoo, uh, I'll never have to do it again. No, probably you'll need to do it a couple times every day until you get that conquered. Because you have to learn how to put every thought in obedience to Christ. You have someone who's stuck in pornography. That pornography changes the way you think. Now you think about sexual things all the time. You have to learn how to take every thought. No, I should not be thinking about this. I should not be watching this. I should not have this thing. Lord, help me to take this thought and give it to him. And we start to develop that. Once we do that, Saint, uh, Jesus then is able to start pulling down that stronghold. Once that stronghold is pulled down, Jesus can give us the victory to take that ground back and take it away from Satan. And now it's no longer in his domain. But we, we have to be obedient to that knowledge. Be obedient to the things that God has given to you. So many people have so many spiritual issues in their life. And this explains what's going on. How do I do this? You learn to be obedient. If you're not reading your Bible, you can't pull down strongholds. If you're not praying as you ought, you're not pulling down strongholds. If you're not faithful to church, you're not pulling down strongholds. You understand when you skip church and you should have been here, you are making that castle stronger and making it worse in your life. People can have victories in their life. There's no magic wand. It took all those years to build that castle. It's not going to come down in an hour. But it could come down and people could have victories in their life and great victories. But they have to learn what they do with it is important as what uh, is more important than what they know. What are you doing with that knowledge? <laughs> As a pastor, I'm going to give you things to obey because we're going to try to see that stronghold taken down. You say, well, how is reading my Bible going to take care of that? Just obey. Let me help you and watch God work. So many people, may I say most people, including most Christians, have bitterness in their life. And because of this bitterness, there's a castle that's been here. And from this castle, all of these plagues are affecting person's life. A bad self-worth, anger, depression. Those things are all symptoms. They are not the problem. They are the symptoms of the problem. But people can have victory. They can have victory. But they have to be willing to learn how to obey, learn to know what to do with that information, know what to do with that knowledge. What you do with that knowledge is more important than what you know. Now, all of this is to say that you can have victory in your life and that we don't have to have increased sorrow. We can have increased joy, increased peace, increased happiness, increased victory in our life if we concentrate on who we know, why we know it, and what are we doing with what we know, that we can have a life full of victory and a life full of knowledge. What a great God that we have. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.